song you just heard is Dog of War by the Hell Yeah Babies, which means I'm Nick Bond. I'm David Gibb. And this is how wrestling explains the world. Exciting episode today, Dave. Oh, hell yes. Seasonal as well. Yeah, we are doing the Survivor Series, the Survivor Series match. Not Survivor Series, the pay-per-view, but the actual match itself. We wanted to start with a real quick explanation. It is uh, usually a five-on-five, but it uh, has varied between that and a four-on-four match. Four guys start, or four women start on each side, and uh, it's a single elimination. Uh, Once you're pinned, you're out, or submit, or get counted out, or get disqualified. It's basically a normal match, but you have teams, and those teams get whittled down one by one. Usually, sometimes four guys get disqualified at the same time so Ric Flair can win the match. Like, that that happens sometimes, not often. Yeah, the Survivor Series is actually pretty sportsy by WWE standards in that it's very straightforward and it's a long look at wrestling. Like, sometimes these things are like, you know, 30 minutes plus of just a lot of wrestling. Uh, and, and I mean that in all the best and worst senses of the word, definitely. It's funny, though, because it's like now they have, uh, in Poland, I believe, they have that five-on-five team in an A-League where like everybody starts paired off against one opponent. And then once one guy finishes off his opponent, he can just go and join one of the other fights and like him and his partner can double-team some poor bastard <laughs> on him. Isn't it wild? Yeah, WCW came up with this, you know, 30 years ago and... And everybody just thinks it's a big, stupid, you know, waste of space with everybody around the apron so the crowd can't see what's in the ring. And then, no, 30 years later, here we go. True true Survivor Series blood sport in Eastern Europe. Yeah, and I think they do it for uh, I, uh, maybe a slightly different reason because uh, you only have to have, like, five fighters and none of them have to be good. They just all have to be decent. And and you can actually, like, feel the good team. What works for uh, me, and I think for the WWF, WWE in general, um, is that multi-team... And multi-man matches are perfect for filling up the card, which, if you've ever seen a single Survivor Series pay-per-view, is their explicit purpose, is to just dump in as many human beings as you possibly can into one show. Yeah, it's like it's like open skate on Saturday. <laughs> And, and you know what, it, I agree that, like, I think that's one of the things that really works about the matches, but I think at the same time, it's one of the things that kind of hurts them. Like, I, I see Survivor Series, the, the traditional Survivor Series tag match, uh, I, I see those as, they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde concept, and what I like about them, you get to see pretty much the whole roster, at least on those, like, early 90s shows where there were four or five freaking Survivor Series matches. And when I was a kid, that was the stuff that I loved just to see everybody. But but now that I'm a little older, I, I that stuff kind of bugs me. I'm just like, geez, where's the focus on, you know, the on the main event and on the important guys? Like, why is everybody on the card? Like, that's one of my huge complaints about all the WWE pay-per-views now is like freaking everybody on TV is on this show. What the hell is going on? Like, what is supposed to be important? But I guess it, it, when I was a kid, like I said, I love this stuff. I love seeing everybody. They like to introduce characters in particular. It's one of their favorite things to do. I de- have people's uh, pay-per-view debuts on Survivor Series, uh, bring back former performers, uh, stars, your uh, Jimmy Snookas. Uh, and, and but yeah he's the only one i could think of actually like uh, I, I guess mr perfect for like two years in a row and then savage for two years in a row what you see with that is the ability to hide people's weaknesses which is what like good tag team matches can do but in particular with uh multi multi-man matches like this uh you can 
very easily create a story for a person to walk into where they can then become the thing you want them to be. It is a very strong way to characterize your performers, I guess would be the best way to describe it, to use a literary term. It's very easy in these matches to give them an obstacle to overcome, have them overcome it, and be able to talk about them because the matches are usually long in a way that actually feels like you're building a narrative throughout. Yeah, definitely. The the matches are, as we've both said, they're lengthy. And, and part of what you have to do to pull something off this lengthy is to rely on structure, just connecting a million conversations that we've had in the past. So these matches are really highly structured. And, and part of what they rely on is the characters. So like I've said in the past, every wrestler has their little core set of things that the people anticipate. And like the Survivor Series matches, you can build it all around like, okay, what sequence do we put in? Like, to use the expression, like everybody getting their shit in, in, in order to stretch something out and, and create a more character-based environment. So in those Survivor Series matches, especially those kind of late 80s, early 90s one, where the gimmick really was the whole show, like they they were really, really married to this massive team concept early on. But, but those shows feel really special in the way that, that sometimes stuff today doesn't, because as you say, they, that they, you know, all the characters seem more themselves because the matches were so intentionally structured about like, okay, how would these four people interact with each other and realistically or, or in tribute to the, the storylines, which order would they be eliminated? 87, 88, 89, and 90 are all elimination matches in terms of the actual card there's a couple of singles dark matches which i guess they just didn't want to dump another five guys into a match or 10 i guess but yeah it is something that they continuously did throughout the first four shows the 1990 show is notable in particular because it's the first one where there's even a slight deviation so for the first three they're just straightforward elimination matches uh in the 1990 edition what they have is the Somehow, I don't know how they determine it, but uh, the heels and the faces, when a heel team wins, the heels go to one side and the faces, when a face team wins, the faces go to the other. And at the end of the night, basically, they uh, had a three on five Survivor Series elimination match with Hulk Hogan, Tito Santana, and the Ultimate Warrior versus Hercules, Paul Roma, Rick Martel, Ted DiBiase, and the Warlord. Um, we don't really need to get in depth on that match, but it's, it changed the way that they structured the individual matches. It was no longer what we were talking about, um, what we've been talking about, which are these self-contained stories about the performers. It became this full night thing where you had to follow what was going on, but it also prevented certain things from happening. Uh, one in particular we'll get into next episode. It really changed the way that the matches were formatted themselves because they knew at the end of the uh, end of the night they were going to have to basically shuffle people onto different teams. So it was much more... You could see the rails in that edition. And I think that's where they started to break down. Because in 91, they have the uh, gravest challenge, which is Hogan versus Undertaker. And then going forward, they really start to break down the wall between uh, only having elimination matches and having any other type of match. Yeah, that 1990 Survivor Series really reminds me of another famous show from that year, which was uh, the, the Starcade, the WCW show the next month which they, they did a tag team tournament on that show. And uh, it was, you know, famously not a great use of what was supposed to be uh, one of their big shows. Like you got everybody on the roster, but as you said, 
you were you were paying service to this overarching storyline that rather than tying the show together, just tied your hands. You know what I mean? Like you said, everything had to be in service to something else. Like on paper, I like the idea of the survivor match a lot. Like that's cool from a gimmick perspective. And I think it's cool from a perspective where the matches are all filled with mid carters. But like when you've got like Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior in there and stuff, like it reminds me of the, the WCW, the cage match where it was like Hogan and Savage versus every heel in the world. It reminds me of that where it's just like, ugh, why are these main eventers out here just beating like a bunch of, you know, be, you know, beating the odds against a bunch of mid carters. Like, that stuff just dumb. So I, I, I think that there was a, there was something in the water in 1990 that people were like, oh, the shows, you know, they, they don't feel self-contained enough. We need to do some gimmick that t- completely ties our hands. So uh, like we said, it's it's Hogan and uh, Warrior and Tito Santana. Why Tito Santana was involved at all is they literally had a filler match, basically. So it's the alliance, which was Butch, Luke, the Bushwhackers, uh, Nikolai Volkov, and Tito Santana versus the Mercenaries were Boris Sukov, Sergeant Slaughter, Slaughter. Wow. That was beautiful. <laughs> Sergeant- I do love all the teams having names, by the way. I do think it's cute. Yeah, no, I like it a lot. Um, Sergeant Slaughter. Jeez Louise. Uh, <laughs> Sato and Tanaka. Um, so it's this random... Uh-oh. Sato. Sato. Son of a bitch. I, thought, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got it. Sato. Sato. Uh, <laughs> it's Tanaka, right? It's not Tanaka. <laughs> uh, but there's no reason for that match other than to give them a third person who, if I remember correctly... Yeah, it's literally so Tito Santana can lose so that the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan can win the match together against the guys that they had been feuding with. It is literally that level of micromanaging and adding matches and adding finishes just so you can get something at the end of... It's kind of like when in a video game you can't go to a certain place or if you, like, kill someone and then you come... You can't kill someone and then you come back and you're like, oh, they're involved later in the game. That's why I couldn't kill them. They're an essential character. They're not just like a random person. Like that's basically what it felt like with Tito Santana. It's like, why is he still alive? Oh, so they can murder him at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 I know we're kind of waiting for the second half to talk specifically about matches. But like I said, I think this 1990 show is really illustrative of this kind of Jekyll and Hyde deal. I love the, the first show on the main card is the warrior team, which is the road warriors, the ultimate warrior and the modern day warrior, uh, Carrie Von Eric, the Texas tornado. And they're taking on ax smash crush, who is, uh, at the time, uh, obviously doing the same workout and eating, uh, routine as ax, uh, and <laughs> perfect. Um, and, and like, they're a lot, they're, they're two of the definitive teams of the era and like warrior and perfect are two of the definitive single stars, of the era, but holy shit, they do some really dodgy looking to to make sure that Hawk and Animal aren't anywhere near that main event. It's like that uh, it, it's that Hawk and Barry Darso, uh, Smash, are doing like the world's worst one-two spot in the middle of the ring, like exchanging punches, but neither one of them is selling. And then all of a sudden, two other guys get in the ring, and then like... Hawk just blatantly grabs the ref and like kicks him in the knee <laughs> and the ref disqualifies Hawk animal smash and crush. 
just like boom they're all out of there on just like the softest stupidest dq spot that would be like that would be a horse shit groan inducing finish in a regular match but then when you like keep the idea that this is supposed to be something special and that they're hypothetically competing for a greater honor later in the night it's like how stupid and bad at his job does that make hawk look you know <laughs> uh as usually as bad as when he cut a promo about like sweat socks or something oh, they didn't let him talk this time in the pre-match interview they let him talk for like five seconds at the beginning of the promo it's like a gene asks him oh what's on your mind and he goes, I don't know what's on our mind, or I have no idea what's on our mind, or some great Hawk line like that. But then instantly Warrior cuts the promo. Like, how mad must Hawk be? Like, you're the you're the definitive, intense, crazy person promo. And they're, like, passing the the mic over your shoulder to, like, the second mo You know what I mean? It's, it's Yeah, oh, totally. And it's funny with the Texas Tornado, because he does not belong in that group of people at all. <laughs> in terms of like musculature yeah. yeah no they worked out they hanged and banged together but they didn't um take promo class together or or uh face painting class together i i don't think texas tornado has face paint but yeah and this like like we were saying we've been saying is is the the turn for the survivor series gimmick i think like the the match gimmick where it broke the sanctity of it and I think it just changed the way that we saw the match. We kind of saw the rails of like how the things, like I think we it, subconsciously as fans understood like how it was supposed to work. Cause we've seen stories before, but then it became, this is it, not just like, this is a good story to tell in a survivor series match, but this is a survivor series match story. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And it, it kind of mirrors just the way things tend to evolve in the WWE in general is like at first it starts as being a good idea for a one-off and then it turns into like a regular tool that you go back to more and more often until then suddenly it's the tool that's over and you just plug whoever the hell in because really it's the concept that's over and then the, the wrestlers are interchangeable. That's kind of the way everything seems and to be. And the next the year you see it, there's a really distinct drop-off. Uh, the next year they go from having this gimmick where the main event involves Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior to The Undertaker beating Hulk Hogan in the middle of the show, Big Bossman and the Legion of Doom against Erwin Arshyster and the... Wait, 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 Nick. Wait, Nick. Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan in the middle of the show? Huh. I don't remember that. I don't remember Hulk Hogan losing. That's so weird. It's like in the middle of the show, and then they did other stuff, and like, it's hard for me to remember that Hulk Hogan lost. How weird is that? Yeah, well, they wanted you to forget until that Tuesday. Where, where, where? Was there a particular place on that Tuesday? Yeah, they wanted you to like hang out either physically or through the television screen in Texas for uh, this Tuesday in Texas, where um, in the Alamo, nothing... in the basement, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing good happens at all at that show. Nothing. <laughs> it's th these two shows combined are the nadir to me of the Hulkamania era. They are the worst combination of shows because they so blatantly, they first of all, just like shit all over 
the Survivor Series gimmick by making it very clear that that is not the important thing at this show. And not only that, but this show is so unimportant, we're going to try to put another show right after it where the shit we promised would happen on this show actually happens on that show. It's, it is in almost every conceivable way a like throwing out the baby with the bath water on the Survivor Series match. Yeah, and one thing that they point out, the way they phrase it on OSW Review, is uh, they say that like it's like that Survivor Series was a commercial for this Tuesday in Texas. Yes. And, and I think that like that's a sign, like, like you said, of just things really cheapening when you have a concept that's been a money concept, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 this Sunday pay-per-view that people have already paid X for is, is a big promotional ploy for our experimental Tuesday night pay-per-view to get in people's wallet twice in the same week you know what i mean like oh 100 yeah it, there's there's a transparent even for wrestling a transparent promotional disingenuousness to it after having the main event be uh, nominally an elimination match but not really because they were having this other pay-per-view right after uh the next year they actually have a tag t- uh, sorry a championship match they only have one elimination match and what you see is this it's not complete because the next year they kind of bring it back. But it's this idea that they no longer need the Survivor Series match to have a Survivor Series show. And, and to me, it also becomes a thing where they decide that the unimportant... So previously, before that, it, everybody everybody gets in the pool, right? But like the people who actually get to swim laps or the like stars now for the survivor series match that's where you put your mid carters that's where you just dump them in a big match to give them a big match physically like with a lot of people not a big match in terms of importance and it it really starts to shift from a thing that could help build somebody for the most part into a thing that just happens because you need to fill spots on the match card on the card and then subsequently on, on then like a micro level on the in the match like it, it is not those it almost feels like when you learn the spoilers for wrestlemania like what the rumors are and then you have to watch them like fit all of the pieces together yeah that's an interesting way of putting it one, one thing that strikes me about some of the timing that we're talking about is what happened, Nick, in January of 1993? Um, pinfalls didn't count? Raw, right? Starting in 93, at the very beginning of 93, they have a much stronger television show that's focused around building more characters. Whereas, like, in the 80s, you were mostly building angles for Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and a very small cadre of the, the top guys. And most of the mid-card guys were, were defining themselves either at the house shows or by, like, filling time on these pay-per-views. You know what I mean? You were either seeing them in just, like, a squash match, just, like, a quick TV match, or you were seeing them in a longer uh, house show match. But, like, the the Survivor Series was, was a great opportunity for those guys to really show what they could do and really shine and really show the interplay between their characters. But when you have a longer, stronger TV show that's really more about defining everyone, which is what they started to do with Raw, then it's like you kind of need the Survivor Series a little less because, like, you know, you're making the one, two, three kid on TV, right? You're not doing 
at Survivor Series anymore. You're doing it over three or four weeks of giving him 10 minutes every week on Raw. So I think the model kind of changed. And I think that way that guys got the spotlight and guys got a little shine and guys got to rub up against some different people at Survivor Series, I think the specialness of that kind of went away with the birth of Monday Night Raw, perhaps. I, I think it's it's important. To, so 93, so 92 is not a Survivor Series match. 93, there is a Survivor Series match as the main event. 94, that's not the case. 95, that's not the case. 96, that's not the case. It basically stops being the thing that main events. And in 1998, they just don't have any Survivor Series matches. They have a Survivor Series tournament, essentially. Uh, the Deadliest Game Tournament or Deadly Game Tournament. Um, oh my God, I remember the theme song from that. I think I, I think I had a VHS copy of that show that I had uh, bought from the video store once they were done renting it to people. <laughs> That's how I saw wrestling pay-per-views back in like the late 90s. Like I would... Uh, I would go to the Hollywood video near my house and, uh, you know, they would always have the like bin of stuff that they were selling off for a couple of bucks and, and they would always have the WWF pay-per-views for the previous year. So like I saw most of the 1997, uh, or not most, but I should say the big four. I saw those pay-per-views from like 97 and 98 in like 99 and 2000. <laughs> That's the best way to see them. So you don't actually have to deal with the consequences of what happened. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's motherfucker gold dust and Ken Shamrock. What happened? <laughs> oh yeah, that is actually the weirdest. Having watched only the elimination matches, the real like, why is this person in the main event now? Like, how did that happen? But you also saw it in um, Halloween Havoc, so it's not something. And a lot of shows, but in particular ones where you notice is from year to year where like one person was in the middle of the show and is now main eventing. That's a big example of that with the Survivor Series. He's like all over the mid card the first couple of years and then boom, he's the fucking main event in a singles match. Fuck you, tag division. They do that pretty well with uh, with your Diesels, with a couple of people, Roman Reigns, Asuka, there's a couple of people for whom that, that works out and we'll definitely be talking about that more later on. And I think the other thing that it continues to do well, actually I'll give it credit, is it's really good for high not just people's weaknesses but hiding performers from each other because they are physically in the same space but can in a way that it's much harder to in an actual tag match keep away performers from each other it's it's a smart way to do it because you see them in the ring together but you don't actually see them in the ring together yeah it's great and and as someone who's a of fan of this kind of thing it's like the perfect environment for and once again this is the perfect mid-card gimmick and survivor series is kind of the perfect mid-card gimmick so it really gets good it's it's like that perfect little moment for like the chicken shit heel who's really trying to hide from one or two of the guys on the other team it's like god i love that story because it's it's so funny and entertaining in the way that wrestling can be but it's like when the guy finally gets his comeuppance and it's time for him to fucking bump and feed it's like that is real shit it, it's un like it's it's just a perfect thing. And then the Survivor Series is like built to create moments like that. Look at me talking about wrestling moments. <laughs> and yeah, I think for the Survivor Series to work, you cannot just have a match. You can't just have guys. I think it's, it is the best case for that savage style of, I think, or it's the best use case i should say it is the best use case of that savage ddp style of and the modern style of breaking down individual 
segments basically of the match until you tell a larger story uh which is why it had the trouble it did in 90 but also why it worked so well in a time where a lot of matches were improvised because it felt different there was a physical structure to the match in a in a literal sense like five on five but there was also this story structure that didn't happen as much in normal matches that you only saw in Survivor Series matches or in a meaningful way in Survivor Series matches. Because you look at something like uh, War Games, and War Games is much more of a clusterfuck, intentionally so. Like, Survivor Series has the same thing like the Royal Rumble does, where, as opposed to World War Three or a regular Battle, Battle Royal, where it's about the little bit of structure, like you said at the beginning of the show, that makes it just ever so slightly more sporty, that the juxtaposition of that sportiness, that like structure of sportness, um, mixed with the cartoonishness of WWF works really well. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're correct to identify that like Survivor Series and War Games both say important things about the company that spawned them in different ways and like really what they were doing. And I also think it's important to think about like the time and the place that Survivor Series came from. And that's 1987. I mean, 1987, we're talking about, you know, the fall. We're talking like six months after WrestleMania 3. We're like really talking about the victory lap here for Vince McMahon. And, and the concept was clearly designed with a roster that had just it was jam-packed with incredibly talented people like most of the major stars two-thirds of the major stars of the last 10 years were on that roster you know what i mean and it's like it's just kind of a victory lap thing to do just to be like look at this roster i've assembled i've got i've got 30 of the top 40 wrestlers in the world and i'm gonna get them all on the same card whereas on the other hand in crockett or early wcw you have war games, and that's more about like a core group of super over people just pouring every little last bit of passion and energy and physicality that they possibly have and leaving it all in the ring in like a super violent, super gritty fight atmosphere. So I think they both speak to the kind of the philosophies of the company and also just the reality of like how the personnel was different and what each group was working with. Yeah, and uh, let's just put it this way. I love the Survivor Series match there's a reason we're doing a separate podcast on war games. Like war games is a better version of what survivor series is trying to do, but it would not work as well in the WWF. It just wouldn't because a, it's way too gritty and real in terms of sustainability. I survivor series had a theme and a gimmick. And for me, the Halloween havoc was a theme and the war games, although eventually they came into fall brawl, was a gimmick. And what works about the Survivor Series to this day is that it's both, and, and even more so than the Royal Rumble match and the Royal Rumble, like the Royal Rumble pay-per-view doesn't have as much cachet outside of the Royal Rumble match, where I think Survivor Series has always been important. Their second pay-per-view, um, they did it to go against Starcade. Uh, it's where, like, Halloween Havoc is just a fun show. And I don't want to knock Halloween Havoc, but having their fourth biggest be Halloween Havoc and the WWF, WWE's be Survivor Series, it kind of shows the level of depth in terms of ideas, just ideas that the WWF had over WCW slash Jim Crockett 
but also the roster, like you said. Yeah, definitely. I think it shows what at the end of the day, they like each had faith in. Like I said, at the end of the day, it was like the Crockett thing was about just getting the best guys out there who had the hottest angle and just letting them beat the crap out of each other and bleed everywhere and just have this incredible spectacle. And, and even if sometimes that action was maybe hard to see on TV, just how into it the audience was, like it really, really did feel like something very special. Whereas like on the other hand, like we said, WWE's like got that faith in the structure, that faith in the machine and that faith in their ability just to like get the talent that they need to, to plug into matches that will be good and make sense and entertain people. Yeah. And Halloween Havoc to me would have had a lot more uh, gravitas if they just threw war games on Halloween Havoc or Starcade or picked a specific thing where you had war. They, again, they did in Fall Brawl, but they had to have done it early on because Survivor Series had the advantage. A, it had the advantage of having WrestleMania come before it and then have Vince McMahon threaten to not allow people to have WrestleMania unless they put Survivor Series on and having Survivor Series be the same day or the same time as Starcade, which was Crockett's biggest show. So, like, I understand there's a lot of mitigating circumstances, but the reason that Halloween Havoc is a joke now and Survivor Series isn't, even though Survivor Series had the gobbledygooker is like because they had both a theme and a gimmick to work with. And I feel like WCW was never good at that. They never figured out the way to have a pay-per-view that was a theme and a gimmick and have both of those work separately from one another as ideas, not necessarily in practice. Cause like, like we've, we've been hinting at the gimmick for, the Survivor Series got pretty stale. The WWF moved away from it pretty wholesale for a while. Uh, they had the tournament. They just stopped having Survivor Series, traditional Cyber Survivor Series matches. But they still had that Survivor Series. Like, Survivor Series is just a cool name for a pay-per-view. So is Halloween Havoc. But it just, you can also have things like the WWF title tournament in 1998 that still fit in the theme of the Survivor Series. Yeah, absolutely. Just the concept of survival is is an excellent uh, overarching theme for wrestling generally. Absolutely. And I mean, I think there are times where I'm glad that they stuck to that. I mean, like you said, like in 1998, there's that tremendous tournament. And like, I, I don't know that I would have wanted to see that many extra mid-card matches necessarily in that era, right? It's like, what were the, the mid-carders... Uh, during that era were memorable characters a lot of them but like when you go back and watch a lot of those shows you're like wow the wrestling not great uh you know what i mean or for example like some of the stuff in the mid-2000s where it was just like uh guys in red t-shirts versus guys in blue t-shirts like those matches just always stunk like when that was the best you could give me i'd rather you just had another normal pay-per-view and came up with some you know, intense, heated, personal match that made the phrase survivor, or the word survivor, you know, somehow relevant to the theme of the pay-per-view. I didn't mind when they didn't do the tag matches because they didn't have the breadth of talent or the, you know, the storyline engagement to do it. I'm almost glad they didn't force it some years. Another thing I've hinted at is that uh, Vince st- stalls a strong word, a very strong word, but capitalized on the war games gimmick and to a a much larger extent uh the starcade show uh that was coming up to um fuck over his competition sideways 
Um, and I think to me, the Survivor Series is the quintessential Vince show. Like it is the one where it's the most WWF one possible and the story behind it like the origin story behind it is the most vince thing possible and also we're not going to get into it but like the montreal screwjob happened at the survivor series and yeah it was kind of a coincidence but like i definitely think it kind of like fits with the whole story of the survivor series especially now the way that they tell the like overarching narrative of the survivor series it's like it is an important pay-per-view because important things have happened at it and it was one of the first pay-per-views in a way that like the royal rumble is a big deal because things happen at the royal rumble that affect wrestlemania and wrestlemania is a big deal because it's wrestlemania and SummerSlam is a big deal because it's SummerSlam. like survivor series is only a big deal because it used to be a big deal and i i think that's like an interesting thing about it but like part of that is also the fact that it's the best example of vince at his purest yeah i think survivor series and the story behind it and all the things that have happened like you said from taking uh Starcade on headfirst to to screwing Bret Hart or Bret screwing Bret Hart or whatever. Uh, but but I think like the spirit of the Survivor Series, the driving force behind it is definitely Vince McMahon's ambition. Like Vince McMahon taking on the competition, Vince McMahon saying, okay, what can we do? Well, let's show off like all the wrestlers from all the territories that these people already know. Like let's show off that they all work for us. Like it's like I said at the beginning, it's very sports-based in its simplicity, but it's also very showbiz, right? And that it's like everybody in their entrance, everybody coming out together in their shiny robes, everybody standing in the middle of the ring and posing together, everybody doing the stand-up promo together in the back. Like it's very, very like Saturday Night's Main Event era showbiz. So I think that kind of blended the ambition involved in the production. It really is pure business. Now that we've solved the secret of Survivor Series, um, only marginally trickier than the secret of Nim. Question I've been thinking about all episode is, is this, and I think I think I know your answer. I, I know mine. Does the Survivor Series gimmick, the match, still work? And if not, what would you do to fix it? I mean, I think the Survivor Series matches could still work today and do still work today because, like I said, you know, the, the structure of the match is sound. They have the talent. They have the storytelling ability. They have the time, like that's all good. But at the same time, I don't know why. They do just feel a little anachronistic to me. I don't know if there's something where there could just be like a slight twist that would really kind of modernize it to me. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they just seem like a little bit of a time capsule from a different time and place. And that's not always a bad thing, but it's also kind of hard to get super excited about. I, I think the reason it feels so, it feels like there's something off is because the, it, the matches themselves are much more contrived it usually they're i mean now they're raw and smackdown so they're both more contrived and less contrived uh but for me in particular the problem is that there are no stakes when people win a match they just win a match and even the stakes that are imposed are self-imposed stakes usually they're like if you if team raw doesn't win we're going to fire Kurt Angle. And it's like, okay, who gives a shit? I, I, I cannot care about you 
Like the authority, the match because the if you think about it, the match that worked most recently, the the Survivor Series match that worked the best most recently, uh, and we'll be talking about this in the next episode, is the 2014 match where the authority. Uh, there's actual stakes involving the authority and John Cena. That you're like, oh, if something happens in this match, something is going to happen going forward. And I feel like when the Survivor Series was one of four pay-per-views or two pay-per-views or three pay-per-views or yeah, three pay-per-views, it had so much more inherent gravitas because it was one of the three showcases for the talent on a in that way. Uh, maybe if you also want to include Saturday night's main event, but you're only adding, I think two episodes, two or three episodes a year. So this really made it, this was one of the ways in which you made your mark. And now there's no, there's not nearly as much momentum behind doing well at their survivor series. But if there's actual stakes, you can do what the survivor series matches used to do, which is you had a, uh, storyline going in when you get there you have a storyline within the match and then that storyline from that match changes your trajectory in one way or the other going forward where like i feel like you could come back from th- down 3-1 or down 4-1 in a survivor series match now and people wouldn't make that much big of a deal uh just in the last like two or three years because of the way that it's much more like brand oriented so so you're taking away the individuality and you're also taking away the storylines that come with it because when you look back, cause it's just team SmackDown versus team raw. It's not like, Oh, uh, why is the dream team fighting the million dollar team? And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, but dusty Rhodes was feuding with the million dollar man. And that's why they created these two teams. And that's where they're fighting where this, which is like, Oh, it's Ron SmackDown. That's cool. The matches are good, but there's no, actual thing that happens if one of these teams wins or loses and it would be so easy to do that that i just i can't comprehend why they don't like just add stakes you're a fake television show you're like a television show you can just write in stakes and no one's going to be like well that doesn't make any sense they're gonna be like okay at least this match is important now yeah i mean or uh, you look at like new japan what they do where like everybody's on a team like you've got like suzuki goon and chaos and the bullet club etc etc you know what i mean they they rely on those built-in stakes really to build a lot of their matches not necessarily the main events but the stuff they fill out the cards with like a lot of that stuff is just based on like, oh yeah, these guys are on opposing teams. So they like would be facing each other for honor and for position for title shots for their team. Like it's not hard just to say like these people are in a group. So their success is tied together. You know what I mean? Like, but I, so I agree with you. I think that that would be a huge improvement, even if it was just a thing that you've spent like, you know, a background thing that was going on in on TV for the three or four le- weeks leading up. Like you said that you have like a, a baby face and a heel who are in an angle and they're captains and they're picking the team. Like that's a whole month of TV or as you would joke, that's a whole episode of raw. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to get through it real quick. Uh, speaking of which, uh, did you have anything to plug this week or this for, for this episode in between this and the next? Episode? Oh, nothing too major. Just my own sweet self. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dave writes junk, of course, and uh, look out there for uh, updates about all things me. And you can check me out at the Nickster. That's T H E N one C K S T E R. Okay, I had to make sure I spelled that right. Um, and you can check us out at How Wrestling Explains That Podbean.com. Uh, we're going to keep this short because we will be back 
tomorrow. But um, in the meantime, I guess enjoy. Um, when is this coming out? Monday. Enjoy the new episode of Good Eats Reloaded. That would be my suggestion. Don't watch Raw. Though the run over is completely done. So that's good. They're not just going to keep going without constraints for time or cares for like preciseness or efficiency. They're just going to keep. Now they have to. Find your